From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show is the key to the keep-away game of the opponents to pick up the pace on the offense. The defense, will they ratchet up their pressure? And can the return of some injured players help Florida State stabilize as they get ready for the second half of the season? Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. That's in Tallahassee, Florida. CPTallyBar.com, the website. You can always hit the QR code on your screen to go right to the website. You can place your order to go if you're on the run, but it's Tuesday. Take your time all day long. Tacos, not just a lunch special, all day long. Tacos, soft shell, hard shell, chicken or beef uh, complements the Tuesday night trivia that's going to go down at 7 o'clock. Corey Clark, will you be there to take on all comers? Of course I will, buddy. If I'm in town, I'm going to be a trivia. Um, so, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there uh, representing. We won. I think we won the last time we played. Sounds right. Yeah, yeah that seems right. Uh, so we got to defend our title. We vacated it, I guess, last week, but we're back to defend our crown. You should carry a belt with you, like one of those old, you know, like the old 1980s WCW heavyweight championship belt. If I buy it for you, will you just walk around and CP with it, like strapped over your shoulder? Not around your waist, but over your shoulder, just walking around with the, with the belt, with the strap. Over your shoulder. Yeah, if you buy me one, sure. Okay. Either I or either uh, Stephanie or I absolutely okay. will do that. Okay. I like it. I like it. Check it out. Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Check out Warchant.com. It's your ultimate symbol sports source. It was an off week last week, but we didn't take time off. Plenty of content over on the site throughout last week and ramping back up for this game coming up on Saturday as Florida State comes off the bye, taking on Virginia Tech. 330 ABC, ESPN. I should know, but it's 330. Tune in. You'll, You'll find it. Yeah. Check a guide, folks. Or be there. Yeah. But check a guide. It's going to be on one of those stations. Yeah. So uh, plenty going on over there. Headlines coming up later today. So tune in for that. All right, Corey, I thought, I don't know, maybe the biggest takeaway wasn't the injuries, but that's probably the most pressing or most salient thing that we can kind of get to and wrap our arms around that's not as esoteric about, you know, dialing up blitzes and philosophies and things of that nature. Akeem sounds very encouraging, dare I say probable. Uh, Robert mm. Scott, maybe questionable, but maybe Syracuse, he, he gets bumped up to probable. Those are the two names that we did hear, I guess, that, that resonated the most, but obviously Deuce Span sounds like he's back in effect. Didn't realize he was not part of the plans last week. We did see him practice. And Ja'Kai Douglas, who got hurt in the preseason, uh, or did he get hurt in the spring? No, preseason, preseason, like the first day of camp. Yeah, like period three, two, I think. Period three, yeah, yeah. like first period of the first practice, essentially. So uh, he's on the men as well, too. Uh, What does that mean? Does it buoy hopes that Florida State can get back to what what we thought they were going to be and and what they played like uh, in those high points of their their four wins? Well, and what I thought was interesting was that uh, I think Norvell was asked about Deuce and Ja'Kai because they're on the, um, the, the sheet, the depth chart. Um, but he brought up Kentron too. Mm. Um, and look, as you guys have been at the games, Kentron has not played. Uh, he has been uh, not available to play. He has practiced, but he has not been in a game. If if whatever's ailing him can be, uh, if he can come out of that, that he might be a piece that we haven't even talked or thought about because. I mean, look, man, he was the—he was probably the best overall receiver they had in the spring. Yeah. You know, Johnny's Johnny, um, and he didn't practice all the time, but Kentron was out there every day making plays every day, and he was really on pace for a really, I thought, a good season. Um, got I banged up somewhere along the way, but he could be a really nice piece. Um, because, you know, it seems clear to me, I could be wrong, it seems clear to me, that right now, as we sit here, early October of 2023, Deuce Span is not an answer as a wide out on the outside. He can do some things. You can hand him the ball. I barely can throw it. Um, but he has not made much of an impact at all at wide receiver um, as a backup to Johnny and Keon. 88's different. 88's made plays before. He's a more natural receiver. You guys didn't get to see him in the spring, but I'm telling you, he was very good. 
really, really impressive. Not Keon good, but good. So I think that could that that would add more than just depth. I think that adds a playmaker and Jakai too, maybe man. You know they really like Jakai. Um, you know I think people could rightly say, what does it matter? He's only going to throw to these two guys anyway. Um, but I I do think um, just adding more bodies to that position, good players will uh will help everything. And if they play faster, you know maybe they get more guys uh, at bats and get them shots with the ball. Do they need more weapons though that make their living between the numbers and the boundary? Isn't it the middle of the field that's kind of calling for, uh, you know, more production, more more looks? I don't look yeah, but that would be Jakai, right? Jakai's a guy that has shown the ability to get open for first downs, and obviously he's got a couple of huge plays under his uh, under his belt since he's been at Florida State. The one before the fourth and fourteen against Miami, mm. uh, he's caught. I think, I think he had that's a Notre Dame. Yeah, nice last year, he had a big one against Notre Dame a couple mm. years ago. Yeah, that guy can make plays, and he's a bit of a nightmare um, for a, for a, somebody having to cover him in space. He's really tough to cover. Um, we've talked about that plenty. And also, not uh, to specify, but what makes him dynamic, like his lower body, that's not what was banged up. So there you go. Seems like you did specify there. Well, didn't, didn't I, well, you specify, really didn't. You specify. kept it above uh, above the belt. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I think Jakai could be somebody that may, you know, Jordan clearly seems to trust him. Uh, but, you know, how much are they going to be on the field for it to matter? And I mean, like, they do so much two, two tight end stuff and sometimes three tight end stuff. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of time for other backup receivers to get on the field. I do think, you know, I think Kentron is the guy that the fact that Norvell mentioned him made me think, Oh, is he getting closer to playing than we would have thought? Because he mentioned him almost unsolicited. He did. I think it was unsolicited. It was. Yeah. Um, So that makes me think that Kentron might be closer to getting back. And Kentron's a guy that, okay, if Johnny's tired, if Keon's Keon Coleman's tired, if they, if they twist an ankle and have to sit out a series, that guy can come in there. And while he's not those guys, he's pretty darn good. Uh, and that would be nice to have somebody like him. I think Williamson's pretty good too. It, it's it's been a couple of odd games. I was thinking about that uh, on Monday. That you want to get Williamson. I, I know Deuce wasn't available apparently, but you want to get Williamson, Portier if he's there, Destin Hill, Winston Wright. You want to get them the ball. You want to get the give them a, a chance to go make plays. You want to spread the wealth. But when you're in a much closer game than you need to be on the road, you're going to throw to your guys. Your main guys. And when you're all in Clemson, that's not the time really to say, let's feed Darian or let's get Destin Hill going. I'd like to see it, but maybe this month is where the full scope of this wide receiver room comes into focus. I promise you, I think it's more than two guys. I know two guys are the only thing, only guys that are doing anything right now, and they're doing a lot, but it's just those two guys right now. I, I These the guys behind them, the guys at the other positions are talented players. And, you know, but so is Jaheim Bell. So, you know, you're going to throw to Destin Hill, Winston Wright, or Jaheim Bell. It seems like, for whatever reason, that's the that's the decision that's being made right now. And they're throwing to the tight ends and not so much the slot guys. But I do think I keep holding out hope that those other receivers who are good, who are talented, uh, will get a chance to shine as we move forward. And I think they will. I think Clemson's defense is unique. I think Virginia Tech, you'll have some chances to make plays in the middle of the field, and you'll give your quarterback a chance to make plays in the middle of the field. Up front, I mean, the omission of Maurice Smith makes you think that Maurice is probably back to whatever is close to 100% for him. He obviously was able to go against Clemson. Uh, we did ask Coach Atkins about Jeremiah Byers, who uh, wasn't uh, didn't receive a lot of strong praise on the internet after his performance against Clemson. Some of his misassignments were a little bit more glaring than others, but uh, Alex Atkins has full faith in him. You know, we talked about Robert Scott, just how important he is because uh, he's played so much football, and him being just beside a guy like Casey Roddick is, is, is a big help. Shout out to Coach Atkins for having his guys back, and I, I'm, I believe him. I'm not saying that I do not believe him, but like he said both times when he talked about Jeremiah and, and Casey, talked about both those guys having only played four games as a knoll. And these are guys, core that played a lot of football before they got here. Not to say they cannot get better, um, but did it strike you at all that he didn't seem to, you know, want to – he did seem to want to insulate them from any kind of perhaps uh, perceived slight or, or criticism because 
they haven't played as much football here for this program, and maybe that is a difference for uh, why we haven't seen them play to their capability or what we anticipated this offense looking like up front, protecting and, and, and paving the way for Benson in the run game. Well, I think they protected fine. Um, maybe Byers hasn't necessarily, but I mean, come on now. That was a he went pretty well up until you know Clemson, which a lot of offensive linemen over the years could say that. Um, Syracuse's offensive line maybe, maybe could have said that until they ran into Clemson. Um, I, I, I don't think it's like I don't think he's babying them. I think there is some validity to that. Look, Jeremiah Byers was very good at UTEP. Play. I don't know what UTEP's schedule was last year. I don't even know what conference they're in. Are they? Do they play like Texas State and Utah State? Are they in that conference? Is that even a conference? I don't know. I don't know where. I want to say tough... Sun Belt, but it's it's not Sun Belt. Uh... I don't know the tough games that UTEP goes to on the road, but Death Valley against Xavier Thomas. Conference USA. Conference USA. Respect. Okay. Respect. To okay. USA. So Hattiesburg. Used right? to be. They're in the Sun Belt now. Uh, it's hard to keep up, folks. It is. It it's is. hard to keep up. Remember the glory days when, when Texas was in the Southwestern Conference? Uh, what was it called? Well, that was what it was called, right? Yeah, Texas and Arkansas yeah, were in the Southwest yeah. Conference. Um, you look, the, the, he has never played in an environment like Clemson or, quite frankly, an environment like uh, Orlando against people like that. Not consistently, anyway. It's a welcome to big-time college football moment. And kind of honestly, for Roddick, too. Because Roddick was on a team that sucked and had no expectations. And if you made a mistake as a Colorado left guard, well, join the party. Because they all were. They were all terrible. It was hard to pick which offensive lineman played bad, why why that play didn't work, why they only scored six points. There is a new pressure in a new – well, it's it's a new scheme, but it's also a new pressure in a new role – of playing big-time college football in a program that cares, in a program where it matters, and there are expectations. And I think with Byers, I think Roddick's been okay. He hasn't been Dylan Gibbons, but he's been okay. Byers, I think, has been eh. But, you know, again, that's that's a – if we're going to judge him solely on the Clemson game, which I do for the pass pro, that's a, Xavier Thomas is a NFL player, man. He's found it somehow. He's – I, I don't know where, where he's been. He's been there forever, but he's 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 uh, it's his sixth year, and he's playing better than he's ever played. And this is a guy that was like the number one defensive end in the country coming out of high school. He's found it. He's a good player, uh, and that's a tough place to play against, against a very good defense. So I, I don't fault them for that. Um, but he, there's no denying he's got to get better. But I think Atkins pointed out a couple of times it was Clemson. Like, you know, I he made sure to mention, you know, Clemson had something to do with that. Yeah. You know, that, that that's just the deal. It's like, I, I'm sure Clemson fans are upset about the way the middle of their line played against Florida State. Well, it's like, that's, you know, you're dealing with some real dudes. Fabian Lovett, Farmer, Braden Fist, they're, they're no joke. They're tough to move. They're tough to move out of the way to run against. So it works that, that way, too. I, I am going to be interested to see, because they did talk about Rob Scott and what he means. Not just, uh, I thought it was a good answer, not just what he means as far as being back at his talent, but also the, the the way he can communicate. And he and he is, it's a cliche, but with him, it's got to be true. He's a coach on the field. He can help Roddick. He, he would help Roddick just by being beside him more than Bless Harris can. Because Bless Harris has played, he started four games for Florida State. And one of them was Duquesne last year. And then he it was hurt for the whole year. So just that experience, I think, would help Roddick. And then on the other side, when Rob Scott does come back, does Bless Harris move to the right tackle? And what do you do with Byers? Um, because I think that's all that's all still on the table, and that's all still to be decided. But I I think he I don't think he's just trying to protect their feelings. I think he does believe what he said on Monday that he's got to do a better job of co- of of calling plays that they do well, and maybe staying away from things he wants to call just because he loves those play calls or he loves those designs or he loves it against that look, but his guys can't do it. And that's part of coaching, figuring out what your guys do well and catering to that. And he said he has to do a better job of that. Atkins, I'm talking about. You can do a better job at work, at school, in the car line, wherever your day takes you, by taking Vitamin Energy. Go to vitaminenergy.com, use a promo code WARCHANTBOGO. That's WARCHANT, B-O-G-O. Add an item, get one of equal or lesser value for absolutely free. We're going to recommend that multi-pack. It's got everything in there practically, everybody. Gives you a little taste, the Ultimate Variety Pack Plus. 
of everything that's out there in the portfolio. Focus plus workout plus hydration plus vitamin D 100%, the extra strength, burner plus, the B12 14,000, the mood plus. It's all in there. Different flavors as well. Usually $29.95, or rather $35, but it's on sale for $29.95. Hmm. But you're going to buy one and get one free, so have it. Have that. Credible. 24 shots. Bright Zerdea. Not even two full ounces. 260 milligrams, all-natural caffeine. No sugar. No sugar, everybody. Corey, you're going to rock that sweet vitamin energy polo when you do the wrap on Dope Campbell same after the big dub on Saturday? I mean, I'll be honest with you, Aslan. I was told by multiple people. It don't just, even, I wish don't it was even, another color. Don't I just even. wish it was another color. What do you mean, multiple people? What do you mean, multiple people talking, oh, you're looking at a white polo, Corey. That's they weird. said I looked pale. It I made am. me look pale. And I am pale. So that's not the shirts. I'm not blaming the shirt. But when I wear my blue or my black, you know, mm. more of my color palette, mm. my skin isn't so noticeably pasty as when I wear a white shirt. I feel like Irish should wear the white shirt because he's got a natural olive skin, mm. and I'll wear. Um, I've got I've got other vitamin energy stuff I can wear that's not a polo. So I could do that, and it's more in my color color wheel. Just saying, just throwing that out there. But I'm also I might get a spray tan this week. Anyway, buy vitamin energy, everyone. Mm. Vitaminenergy.com promo code WordChampBogo B O G O. Shaking and taking vitaminenergy.com. Anything else offensively to make note of, Corey, before we uh, pivot to the defense? I did like that Atkins said that they need to play a little bit faster. Okay, yeah, uh, we, can, we can explore that space. That was – I feel like we're going to have someone from Irish Ophel on the, the site here probably the next few days about playing with – not so much – they're not playing with pace, but just like the limited amount of opportunities they get and what that maybe does for you psychologically when you know you're probably going to get the ball once. Well, yeah, there's the there's that, but they also don't play with pace even when they have the ball. And, you know, I wrote a, a column about uh, four things I wanted to see coming out of the bye week from this team. Uh, one of them was all about uh, the stadium operations and what they're doing with that video board and the music. <laughs> They've had a month to clean that up. Let's go. But um, I just I, – I don't need to see punting stats, everyone. But anyway um, – uh, you know, when it comes, they're 113th in the country in plays per game. That's criminal. For having the offense they have and the weapons they have, it would be nice to get all these other guys involved. Well, you only have the ball for 55 plays. It's hard. You don't want to. You don't want Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman to be on the sideline for 22% of your plays if you're only going to run 55 55 of them or 60. Um, so. Now, part of that is that, uh, you know, they have not been great on third down and extending drives. And as Norvell pointed out, they are a big play offense still. So they have a few, you know, three play, four play drives and then it's done. Or they have a 50 yard touchdown or a 40 yard touchdown or whatever. But also uh, the defense not getting off the field. They uh, I looked it up, Aslan, and we'll get to this in a second. But the defense has uh, has had two three and outs against power five opponents. So let's exclude the Southern Miss game. Uh, this defense has had uh, two three and outs in the first half all season mm. out of 15 possessions. Not great. Not great. Two out of 15. They've given up five touchdowns, two field goals, and they had LSU drive all the way down the field on them twice but got the big fourth down stands. But that's just – these other offenses are just swallowing the clock because your defense can't get off the field. That just has to change. You get your offense off to a better start. They get more rhythm, blah, blah, blah. But – Going back to the offense, so they're 113th in plays per game. And not all that is their fault, like we just said. But they're also 103rd in uh, pace of play, snaps per second. That is where you can speed that up a little bit, man. I just think just make it six seconds difference in when you're snapping the ball, or eight seconds. It doesn't sound like much, and it isn't. But over the course of a game, that's probably four or five extra minutes of time you have, I can't do the math real quick. If you if you snap the ball 60 times, eight seconds quicker every time, that's 480 seconds, right? So that's eight minutes, whatever. I can't do math, folks. Um, but, you know, I just think they have to realize what they are and that they have to look around the country. You don't have to play like Tennessee, but when you have an offense like this, and most specifically, Aslan, these next four weeks, Maybe the rest of the season. Who knows? You're going to be playing teams that are subpar talent-wise to you. And the best way a team can come in and level the playing field other than a rainstorm 
is to minimize the possessions. You don't want that. It's why North Carolina basketball played the way it played under Dean Smith and especially Roy Williams. The more possessions they had, the more he knew his more talented players would eventually take control and win the game. And that's kind of how it is here. You've got to get, you just can't go another first half where you get the ball four times. And I don't know, the defense has a lot to do with that. Go quicker. Just go a little bit quicker. Does that make sense? Well, is it a, how much though is it the opposition? I, I know we don't want them to dictate it, but substitutions, the pace of them making their substitutions, how much of that factors into uh, these limited amount of possessions that Florida State has? Well, I, yeah, th- that does some. But uh, you know uh, the the you that still you still don't have to be a hundred third in the country in snaps per second, like that that you shouldn't do that when you have this kind of offense. Were you able to see what they might have been ranked last year at all? Or, or like no, I didn't. Particular? I saw what they were ranked. I could have. I didn't even look. I, I saw what they were ranked in. Um, or I saw how many snaps they had. So right now they're averaging something like sixty three snaps per game. Last year they averaged like seventy one. So not a huge difference. Uh, but eight snaps, that's eight That's eight plays. That's If you're averaging five and a half yards per play, that's 50, 45 yards. Uh, you know, those, that's not nothing. Um, and I just think, in part, and I think probably a good portion of that is the new rules. But they just haven't, I, I was hoping they would have sped up from last year to this year, knowing about the new rules and knowing what kind of offense you were going to have. And knowing you could, if your offensive lineman get tired, well, you got, three other guys on the bench that can play and you trust. Um, and it just hasn't happened yet, but that's why I liked Atkins saying that, that they're going to try to speed it up a little bit. Just go a little quicker. It's okay if you – if you uh, it's, it's just okay to have more possessions. You don't have to protect your defense because eventually your defense figures it out. And again, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Duke, you are better than them. And if you only have nine possessions each team, well, that's instead of 14, that's five less possessions to show how much better you are than them. Mm. And so I think that needs to be something that needs to be uh, to fix and fixed and figured out. Um, this is not the metric you use, but apparently Florida State's averaging 63 and a half snaps per game this year. They averaged 70.6 last year. Well, yeah, that's what isn't that what I said? I'm not disputing. I was just I was talking about. I, I guess. I was wondering when you, you mentioned the per second Oh, statistic. I think if you go down, if you're on the college football matrix, if you go down in that, uh, there's stats. One of their stats is, is uh, plays per second um, in that same little field. And I just didn't look. I didn't look what they did in 2022. All right. Well, But they weren't fast. They weren't fast last year. Saying, they've never particularly been that way. I just I don't know if it, I don't know if that's like almost going not outside your comfort zone, but when people are talking about the team not having an identity, I don't I don't know if they've ever if it's ever been like a tempo overwhelming you with speed. I mean I know you're not saying that, but I wonder where the middle ground is because I don't feel like they've been going all that slow. And I don't either. But then you look at the snaps per second and you're like, well, yeah, they are. Um, if they're 103rd out of 130 teams, they're in the bottom 20. 5% of teams in the country snapping the ball. When you have an offense that's one of the best offenses in the country, that just seems... Uh, Counterintuitive? You, yes, correct. Um, and again, we, we're we're covering a program that in 13 uh, had the best offense any of us had ever seen, and they snapped it once a minute. It was ridiculous, and it didn't matter. So I get where we're at, but I just think, especially this month against these teams... Look, the reason you almost lost to Boston College was because you had the ball three times in the first half. You, you know, Clemson's a different story. Clemson, you just survive in advance. But as you move forward against these teams, you should beat. And you're favored by 26 points this week. Don't let them hang around because you have the ball for four possessions and a half. Even if you do well and you score two touchdowns in four possessions, you've got 14 points at the half. That ain't cutting it. You just the the great offenses, they have you. They have twenty four at the half. They have twenty eight at the half. And what's funny about that though, as I think back, the only time they put up a, a ton of points in the first half this season was Southern Miss. And I don't even think they played particularly well offensively by no. their standards. Yeah. But the defense kept getting three and outs. Hmm. So they had like eight possessions in the first half. They scored on six of them or five of them. The game's over. 
I just think that I, and I know a lot of it is on the defense and you don't want to go outside of yourself. I just think you can get plays in quicker, sub quicker and get, and you have a quarterback that you trust, get the thing going just a little bit faster, five seconds faster for each play. And I think over the course of a game, it distances yourself from the, from the, uh, you know, the underdog teams you're playing. It, 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 tilts the field back in your favor instead of leveling it. Yeah. It's interesting because I always remember how Halfley, the coach for Boston College, was saying that, you know, and it wasn't like overwhelming stat, but he said that he thought the Florida State was 3-10 and 10 whenever they had the ball for less than 26 minutes. Um, they actually had the ball for 25-24 against Clemson. And I guess that probably includes overtime as well. So uh, it's not like the fatal flaw. Then. But they had it for 26 minutes and 10 seconds against Boston College. So his whole thing was like, yeah, if we would have got that one extra stop on them, we probably would have been able to beat them. Um, but well, I'll, yeah. I'll, ne- I'll never watch the clock like that, though. But uh, just something interesting to think about. Defensively, uh, I thought we teed up Adam Fuller to really go on a, a nice, uh, effusive uh, you know, monologue about Akeem Dent, what he means to the team, but he really didn't bite. Uh, no, he didn't. He didn't. So, But, I mean, clearly it would be better if he's back in the fold there, but I guess maybe the more interesting thing was him talking about pressure. Uh, was that what caught your more so than him maybe not going over the top with talking about how valuable Akeem is to them? Because they have not looked all that great since Akeem uh, came out of the game. But then again, Akeem did exit the game during a long completion as well. So Yeah, well, him. that's true. Over him, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that, that is correct. Um, you know, he Ira, or no, you asked him. No, Ira asked him about Akeem Dent and uh, what he means to the team. And he's like, well, you know, he's, you know, he's, played a lot of football yeah. it basically is what he said but he it wasn't like oh you know screw Akeem we don't need Akeem it wasn't anything like that I think he wanted to he had a message for the young safeties like he he, he turned a question into Akeem uh, about Akeem Dent into he doesn't want these young safeties to think they have no chance to play so they shut it down in practice knowing there's not a very good he wants them to fight for playing time that's the message I got he wants Hussey uh the Barker kid, he wants these guys to fight uh, K.J. Kirkland to, for playing time because it's there if they want it, if they can go get it. Clearly, Kevin Knowles did not purport himself all that well when he in, in, in Akeem Dent's stead, and we'll see if, he, if he's playing, if he's starting again this week or if Akeem Dent is back. But clearly there is room to play at the safety position at Florida State, and I think these guys are going to be good. I mean, they made plays right away in their first week of college football practice, they were making plays. So he wants them to not, he wants them to expect to play and play and practice like they're going to play. Cause I feel like he kind of wants to use them and they're, in a, it wasn't, it wasn't all that feasible the first month of the season. You know, you're playing LSU in Orlando. It's not a time to be debuting true freshmen in the secondary against that wide receiver. group. Then you had Southern Miss, they got to play. And then you have Boston College where you probably wanted to play him. But, oh, no, you're up by two in the fourth quarter. So they can't play then. It was too close a game. And then Clemson, obviously, is a whole different animal. So now you have a month where these guys can really kind of – you know, I thought it was interesting when he said that, you know, the first few years they were here, they didn't have backups like this. They they didn't have backups that, that were young but were talented enough to play as true freshmen. He made a point of saying it's different now. And I don't know if he was talking about the safeties, if he's talking about Blake Nicholson, maybe. But I think he really wants some of this freshman class to start working itself onto the field, at least get into the two deep. And this this month, if they handle business and play well, would be a good a good chance for that. But yeah, what Norvell said was that he's, he felt very confident that uh, in Akeem's um, availability, it seemed like. Uh, to, to be back. And it is a big deal. We shouldn't poo-poo it like Adam Fuller did. Um, I just think he he had more of a message he was trying to send to the freshman. But Akeem Dent getting back, you know, it's a guy that's, I don't know what he's started, 33 games, 30-something games in his college career. That's a, that's a big deal to get back there, especially when you saw that it wasn't so great behind him. I think that could uh, calm things on the back end a little more than they were against Clemson and Boston College for sure. What's the more pragmatic take, though, Corey? Is it expecting, hoping, pushing Akeem and Shaheem to play better so that you are better on the back end? Or is it making these young guys step up because you kind of maybe already know what Shaheem and Akeem are going to be? Meanwhile, KJ and Ashland and uh, Conrad, they have not come near their ceiling 
versus them. I just feel yeah, like I, at this point, I'm not necessarily asking for Ashton Barker to come out of the blue and start playing like you know Batman for us. Like I, I kind of want to see Akeem and Shaheen play to the level that we were expecting from them. Yeah, I think so. But I think you know if you're eyeing like you know a November game against Miami. Are a game in, uh, in the swamp, if that's even a thing. You know, if they're, I mean, Napier, good grief, man. Read the room. Uh, I'd say if you guys go watch some of that press conference on Monday, yikes. But, uh, it, or North Carolina in a championship game, or whoever in the playoff game, you know, I, I would say that I think, at least when it comes to Akeem Dent, I think their feeling is these young guys probably have more top side potential. And maybe in two months, they will be ready to compete athletically. They'll know what they're doing clearly, but they, they'll know what they're doing. They can clearly compete athletically with some of these guys. I mean, Conrad Hussey is a long, rangy kid. Uh, and I just feel like they're excited about that potential. And you don't have to wait a year. If you're ready to go, if he can give you 17 snaps against North Carolina in a championship game, those are big snaps. So get ready and go play. And so I, but no, I think by and large, I don't think you would be looking at the Miami game. It's, you know, Barker and Hussey as your two starting safeties because they're just better right now than Brown and Dent. That's not the, that's not how it is. But to build programs, these are, you know, you develop depth. And right now, they've not really been able to develop any depth at that position. You saw what happened. Akeem Dent, you know, he's not. You know, Kyle Hamilton back there at say that's his name, right? The kid yeah. from Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, he's not he's not an all American back there, and you saw the difference between him and his replacement. So he he wants this to be rectified, where he has maybe more depth and more safety level, high level elite talent at safety, playing on the field in November, when it when they might be playing for some real real stuff. He would like to have maybe better personnel behind. Shaheem Brown and, and Akeem Denton, he currently thinks he has now. But by all means, Shaheem and Akeem, make plays. We're waiting it. for it. We're waiting go for it. it. Go for it. You're allowed. You're allowed to go make some game-changing plays, guys. I didn't go listen to Napier's press conference. I don't make a habit of it. Um, I, I just Googled Billy Napier, though, and apparently the Gainesville Sun, which is that's the, the paper of record in that yeah. county, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, uh, Alachua. Yes, yeah, that's Alachua, it's the only paper yeah. in that county. But yes. Uh, headline. Billy Napier, Florida contract, colon. What Gators O coach have fired? Mm. So hometown papers firing up the uh, the financials on cutting ties with. It's it's crazy, man. Like, look, man, Napier might turn it around and be a good coach. They might be Florida State in the end of the year. I'll, I'll qualify everything. But to go from like. Can't they just get a sort of normal dude as their head coach? Like somebody that – because what happened on Monday was Napier was asked about – you know, he's getting criticized. He was being asked tough questions. And he started kind of barking back at the questioners and saying, oh, nobody – we don't care about what people on the outside say. Nobody on the outside – everybody on the outside was saying how awesome we were after we beat Tennessee. I'm, a, I'm there every day. I'm on the inside. I know what's working. You know, those kind of things where you're just simply alienating a fan base – that by and large has been pissed off for a decade and a half almost. You know what I mean? They went from Urban Meyer's heart attack to, who is it, Muschamp? Yep. In that debacle, he had one good season, to McIlwain in his shark-humping self on a boat. And, and not Allegedly, only that, obviously, it's not true, Corey. it was not him. Leave but ourselves open to libel but how, do you remember why he was fired? Or one of the reasons he was fired? Number one, he had no sense of humor about it at all. Well, because he, he talked about he was receiving death threats and he didn't which, provide receipts, which was not true. <laughs> which was not true. He he said he was getting death threats and they weren't true. He just lied. And then they go from that guy to this dude, who again might end up being great down there. I don't know, but that is not a good look. When no, you just they went get, Mullen. They went McElwain. Oh, Mullen. they had oh they had weird ass Mullen in between. <laughs> They can't that that crew can't catch a break down there. Well, that's they who go they from are. This is who Darth they are. Vader mask wearing weirdo to now they got this guy who is is appalled that you have the uh, the the gall to question him, and it's like man, you've got to uh, come on now, man. Like recognize the room, read the room just a little. 
and say just handle it like like nobody has had a rougher start at a big school, maybe in the in the history of college football at a blue blood, than Mike Norvell. He was three and ten in his first thirteen games, including a last second loss to Jacksonville State. Not once did he get his bristles up and fire back at the fan base. Do you know why? Because that would be idiotic. You just have to sit there and wear it and say you're going to do better, which is exactly what he did, and now he has. And I just wish these head coaches, these guys, these, they, they, you know, they come from – he has no ties to Gainesville. He doesn't care about that program like the people that have been going to games for 30 years. And he calls them outsiders. It's just – it's infuriating how most college football coaches handle themselves. But we don't – hey, again, this ain't wake-up Gators. Yeah. You know, this ain't wake up, but it just that uh, that was really it just and I'm not certainly I'm not a fan of Florida. I don't feel bad necessarily for that fan base, but good grief. What a run of coaches. I mean, even their good one was Urban Meyer. Yeah. Who was after Spurrier? Zook? Yeah. So yeah. holy moly, Zook, Urban Meyer, Muschamp, McIlwain, Mullen, and now this guy. Well, you know, teams take the personality of their coach. Maybe coaches take the personality of their fan base. <laughs> That's a good way at to least put in, it. At least in Gainesville. Good yeah. way to put it. Oh, I did want to say Wait, something else, though, about uh, Fuller. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Real quick, I saw a quote here uh, from, from Napier. Some of these questions you're asking, you weren't asking a couple weeks ago. Hmm. Ultimately, it is what it is. We have to deal with the result. Yeah, because yeah. you've been losing games. Yeah, and you beat Charlotte 22-7. to You scored one touchdown against Charlotte. And, and then you go on the road and get housed on national television by Kentucky. I guess apparently runs they don't. Two hundred yards in a quarter. I guess apparently he calls plays. Fans aren't happy about that, but he's going to hold on to that as well. So, anyhow, enough of the Gators. What about Adam at least Cole? he? Does, I don't think he has a son on his staff, does he? <laughs> Not yet. So at least he's avoided that. Maybe he's a ball boy though. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, so yeah, about going back to Adam Fuller um, and Norvell too. So I asked. Uh, I think I asked both of them. I asked Norvell a different type of question. I asked him about you know being more aggressive. And what that, you know, he, you know, the way they, the way they play in the second half against Clemson, isn't that something they could carry over the time like? Um, and he said, look, at, and he and Fuller both said, it's not all about blitzing, being aggressive, attacking. It isn't just I'm going to bring seven guys this time. I'm going to bring five guys this time. I think Fuller's quote was, if blitzing every play worked, we would blitz every play. Right. Um, really and, good so, quote, by the way. It was, and so. Uh, so it's not just that they, you know, they talk about, you know, staying connected to the receivers more um, just, but it, the way Fuller was talking about it is the urgency they played with in the second half. Um, what was, is what he wants them to start with. He had a really good quote too. He's like, where we're very good with our backs against the wall, mm. but how about we start better? So we're nowhere near a wall. In that, I paraphrased it, but that was essentially the, the sentiment of the quote. And that's exactly right, man. Like, Boston College, their first two drives, they score 10 points. Up and down the field. LSU, their first three drives. Aslan, over 200 yards in three drives. Now, they only scored seven points because they had they got stopped on two fourth downs, but in, which is great. You don't dismiss fourth down stands. Um, Clemson scored on three of their first four possessions. And that offense is not very good. Like Florida State's defense comes out and co continually gets punched in the mouth. Now they get up and then they start punching and they're very good at responding. But how's about playing like that from the start of the game? Like I and I, you know, there are adjustments that are made. They do see, you know, they, you know, Robert talked about Clemson did things they hadn't seen, which I don't dispute obviously he said they did some quad looks that they had never seen they couldn't have prepared for and all that but once florida state's defense finds its footing it typically plays really well but you know don't maybe not this weekend but who knows you know this quarterback might play out of his mind they've got some games coming up where if you start slow again you might not be able to turn it around you, the offense might not be able to get back in the game. You might not have a strip sack fumble return for a touchdown. Like the margin for error isn't great when you're constantly behind in every game you play. And they've been behind uh, by well, they were behind by two scores against Boston College and two scores against Clemson right away. 10 nothing in both of those games right away. 
And then LSU, they were behind. Uh, I think maybe they weren't behind in that. Yeah, they were. They were behind fourteen to seven. Were they the, behind? I thought it was ten three. I thought they got a field goal on their first possession, Florida State against Boston College. Maybe. Yeah, you're right. So ten to three. Yeah, I guess it was ten to three. But Boston College scored. I don't know what was happened. Seventeen there. to three, then maybe or fourteen. I don't to three? know. Who knows? Who? I'll, either way. I'll, hey, I'll look it up. Carry yeah, on. Look it up. Look it up, Aslan. Come on, man. But that's what you want. You just get a couple of three and outs in the first quarter. Get your off because if Norvell wins the toss, he's always going to defer. Get your get your offense going. Give them at bats, and then watch how much more fun it could be to play with a 17-0 lead, as mm-hmm. opposed to being down 10 to zero, which just seems to be the the norm uh, around here this season. Because again, I want to point out, and I pointed it out to Fuller in my question, there every game they played, they've had dominant stretches. They're not getting run over like they're the USC defense by any stretch. Boston College scored on its first two drives and then did diddly poo for six straight drives as Florida State went on a 28 to nothing run. LSU didn't score in the second half until there was a minute left when the when the freshman DBs were in the game. Clemson scored seven whole points at home in the second half in four plays. You know there was, there was a whole half and four extra plays and they scored seven whole points. So. The defense has has been good for stretches and long stretches. They've just started horribly. And it did sound like Norvell and Fuller clearly want to address that and make sure that they can start with a little more, as, as Fuller said multiple times, urgency. Like, don't wait until you're behind to start playing like you're supposed to be playing. Thoughts on Jermaine Johnson on Monday Night Football intros saying, last chance you? Oh, is that what he said? I did yeah. not. I did not see that. He did after the game uh, tweet about a Doak Campbell Stadium, though. He did. He knows how to. He knows how to hedge himself. Yeah, exactly right. So he came back and, and made amends. By the way, how about that? Uh, the, did you see the hold on him on the Mahomes run? No, but I, I saw somebody say something about. I saw a, it was funny. He just got spun around. It was it was so ridiculous. And Collinsworth, of course, didn't say anything about it. I don't. I don't know how they could have missed it. He was too busy talking about. Yeah. Zach Wilson playing. He, he, this is a guy. He just finds a way. And also with Collinsworth, it always sounds like he's about to bust it out in laughter. Every yeah. time he talks, he's up on the precipice of howling with laughter, and he's just trying to get one last sentence out before he starts dying laughing. Every sentence he says, it's uh. And but boy, he was he loved Zach Wilson too. Holy moly. Yeah, I'm happy for him. I'm glad he played all right. And he played all Patrick. right. The last four drives, he did nothing. Yeah. Well, you know, he played all right. He played earlier, yeah. played better. After the, the 17-0 hole, you let yeah, him back. That's right. that's right. And shout out to Patrick Mahomes in his post-game speech was like, yeah, you know, I thought he played his rear end off. Like, that's you never hear a quarterback compliment another quarterback, but anyhow. He also, said that they had him on the when they were in the on the, on the the field for the handshakes and everything. Yeah. Um, he went over to Zach Wilson, and he said something. He cussed somehow because they bleeped it. Yeah. But I think it was like he, you played your blankety-blank off. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was very nice to him. Yeah, I think Mahomes is – I feel like Mahomes is probably a pretty good guy. And I'm yeah. telling you, I think I mentioned it when I watched it. On Netflix, if you watch the quarterback documentary, that dude is just built different. He is a he is you can understand it's not just the talent. Jeff George had talent, man. That guy's mindset, his personality is you. It, it's just absolutely everything you would want a leader to be. Absolutely everything you'd want a leader to be. MyBookie.ag promo code is WarChant. Use that, you get an instant cash deposit bonus. It means you put money in, you get a little bit more on top of it. it gives you more to play with. Um, not well thought out picks. Spray. I was on fire. Everybody Thursday, like quite literally, I picked like all three games right on a parlay uh, to give to my friend who did not bet it. So I'm a little hurt they didn't listen to me. Uh, you don't have to listen to me. Maybe hedge me, fade me, since I was on fire last week. Oregon State at Cal. 52 and a half the over under. Let's take the under on that one. Just don't see Cal. They're both going to play defense. You know, that's what they do in Cal. So they do in Berkeley. So they do in Corvallis. They play defense. So, like, you know, high 20s, low 20s. 52 and a half. Let's take the under on that. I know it's gross. Don't like doing the unders a lot, but we're going to do that. How about Wyoming at home in the elevation? Getting five at home against Fresno. Fresno, I think, has, like, the longest winning streak in college football behind Georgia, and they're tied with Florida State. So uh, that's crazy. Altitude. Let's we're getting five points at home for the Cowboys. Let's 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 uh, cowboy up. Yo up. Let's take Wyoming. Um, I'm not gonna give anything on the floor. Taking. I'm just gonna let you know it's 24 points right now. 
24 points. It was 25. Some books said 26, but right now 24 over at MyBookie. MyBookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Shout out Devin Vassell. Mm. Florida State basketball product. Tell him how much, Aslan. Five years, 146 American dollars. Well, million. Yes, 146 <laughs> you, million. You left American. out a pretty important part of the contract. <laughs> six, six zeros after the 146. Right. That's incredible. I, You know, I kind of keep tabs on what's – I mean, I'm a Lakers fan, but I'm not looking at all the box scores on the Spurs. But, you know, Devin would chip in 10 points here and there. Man, but to get a – I mean, that's – I don't know, that's a, like a rookie – on the rookie scale, that's, you know, coming off of it, that's an incredible contract. Yeah, I think two it might star, have been like two star, the, three star. And now he's nine yeah. Figures. He was a he was a two star when they when they offered him and he's committed. I think he worked his way up to a four star. But uh, yeah, man, that's uh, that's a really cool success story. Like Scotty Barnes, he's gonna make a ton of money too. Clearly, but he was he was the number eight player in the country. Devin Vassell was a guy that like Georgia and Georgia Tech weren't even recruiting his junior year, and they're right down the road. And then Florida State swoops in, and he's going to be making $30 million a year. And, yeah, I think last year he averaged 17 or 18 a game. Um, really good player. Turned himself – and he's – if you look at him now, you wouldn't recognize the body. Like, he is just – he looked, he's just jacked. It's uh, – I mean, he's still lean, but he's jacked. He's put on probably 20 pounds of muscle. He's just a different dude, man. It's, it's really cool. It's a really cool story for, for Florida State basketball fans. And I know you're out there. Uh, a, a guy like that that was kind of a unheralded, not kind of, completely unheralded. They thought they were probably going to redshirt his freshman year, especially because that team had so much depth and was pretty loaded. But he was so good, they couldn't keep him off the court. And he helped them win a couple games that year and then turned into a great player his next year and now is making $30 million a year. And that's good for him. That's an NBA contract, boys and girls. That's guaranteed. He's going to see yep. all $146 million of it. It's crazy. It is crazy. Like, and look, he's probably, I don't know what he is, the 50th best player in the in the world, 60th, I don't know, yeah. in the league, maybe. <laughs> I mean, holy moly, the money they make. You look at, like, I think Steph is going to make, these guys can make, like, $55 million a year now, or I mean, I think $60 million a year. It's I just, think there's 30 teams in the NBA. And I don't know if he's, you know, like, the three best players from every, I mean, with Winbanyama there, he's probably still in the top three. But I mean, yeah, I don't even. He might be like top seventy-five on the cusp of that, and that's the amount of money you make. But that's how incredibly difficult it is to be a professional basketball player, though. That's yep, how it's, some, it's what I like to call supply and demand. <laughs> well, there aren't many of them built like Devin Vassell, so they pay them when they get them. Oh, hey, last basketball uh, football thing. You know, I don't think Coach Papuchas was with the uh, program on on Monday. Maybe took some things a little too literal. Does Florida State need to start or continue, rather, the, the Australian pipeline, Corey, when it no, comes to punters? See, here, I, I guess I, it wasn't the right platform, um, but Ira Ira made fun of me when I brought it up after we were done. I, I, I can't remember what game I was watching, but they said that it was like 72 Division One punters are from Australia That's, now. No way. That's a huge uh, number. You could look it up. I don't. Maybe they were wrong, but I swear that's what they said. Okay. It was like it was over 70 because I was like, wait, what? That's more than half. And then I was thinking, can we not teach Americans to run to their right and kick? Like we got to go to, we got to go all the way to another continent and give all these scholarships away to Aussies. Love you, Master Motto. He's been great. And Iris' point was they grow up playing that sport, so they're more adept at it, which is I'm sure true. I don't know how many of all these guys, all the Australian punters, played Australian rules football, but clearly some of them did. But it's just crazy. It's like like Brad Wing, the guy at LSU, I remember, was like the yeah. first one, I think. Yeah. And then it's just exploded since then. And it reminded me, I told him it reminded me of when I was growing up and every single major league team had a shortstop for the Dominican Republic. Mm. Every single one. Let's not go invest in <laughs> cities in our own country. <laughs> let's let's go to San Marcos and Dominican and DR and let's get all their best kids and develop them from the age of 12. So by the time they're 20, they can play Major League Baseball. Meanwhile, our guys are, you know, playing other sports. They're playing basketball. Or they're at college. It's just, it's odd that, that like, it's they just happened. Jobs. It's happened in our lifetimes. That, yeah, and I'm not one of those people. Please don't twist this. But it's just, it's bizarre that it's happened so quickly over the last 10 years or so, I feel like, that we just expect all these punters to be Australian 
and nobody's really at. I mean, they play they play rugby in England and India, right? Are oh, they not no. over there? Like uh, it's just this one guy in Australia, New Zealand cricket. Maybe India might be a little bit. Oh, more there you pronounced. go. Right, but they they have the one guy in Australia, I, I assume, that runs this huge facility that is just an absolute pipeline to America, yeah. as if. They're preternaturally disposed. Depo- <laughs> what is disposed to being great punters? The Aussie folks. It's cr- they love swimming and they love punting. That's and tennis. Those are the three things that Australians do really well. Apparently. Well, it was always crazy. Like with Polynesian players, like they're such a small percent of the world population, but they're like a huge percent of like NFL offensive defensive linemen. Yeah, maybe they are predisposed just to be complete bad as these folks. Or the colleges are just like, uh, who's the next one you got for me, Joey? Uh, and what, he just sends them over. Uh, here's some stats for you, courtesy of the Washington Post. 34 of the 69 Power 5 schools have an Australian uh, shouldering their punting duties. The New York Times, 12 of the 14 teams in the SEC carry Australian punters. And Forbes says that there are roughly, which I don't know why they say roughly, I mean, either there is or there isn't, roughly 75 punters on Division One rosters who got their start through pro kick which is that facility in Australia that uh, is the kingmaker of uh, these golden-footed young men. I guess I'm not saying it's wrong, and clearly Mastromano is awesome. So, I mean, it's worked, um, but it's just bizarre. That's all. It's just a commentary yeah. how bizarre it is that out of nowhere, I mean, I, I think I was in my late 30s, mm. mid-30s when this became a thing, and now, as you just said, 12 of the 14 punters in the SEC are from Australia. How many people live in Australia, Aslan? You know million, what I mean? Like million, now that we got rid of the Colquitts, <laughs> the the punting dynasty of America, there's nobody left in America that can punt. So we have to go to Australia. Uh, 25.69 million people in 2021, says Google. So. Okay. All right. And there's how many in America? Like 350 million? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's more. But, hey, they're doing a great job down there. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. But God bless them. Florida State fans love their guy, for sure, mm. except for the time, because he didn't know the rules, he ran over the first down line and punted it anyway. It cost his team a game. That's fine. Maybe That's if he had grown fair. up playing American football. <laughs> That's not fair. Just it kidding, Alex. You are having off. a great season, for real. You are absolutely having a great season. When Ben wanted to uh, – unheralded, because it's, you know, it's punting. But uh, Lord knows they love punting at Doak, so right guy. But, man, that game he had against Clemson was a great game. Yeah. I mean, really flipped the field in a game where you needed to flip the field. I assume Clemson's guy was Australian too, though, so they just punted back and forth to each other. But and he, put, he pinned him down at the three once or twice, I think, inside the ten. Um, and last year he was great at it. Uh, so he's he's really been a nice addition to this program for real. He really has. Other than the you know the thing at NC State that I won't ever ever bring up again. What I don't get is you know Coach Papuchas was talking about oh yeah it's it's, it's very rare you know that the, the fact that they're able to kick both right and left footed you know is is a threat and it's like why though I mean no. if if you're a punt returner aren't you just in the middle of the field and if you see him flushing to the right like all the coverage. Everything is following the flow of that punter, so they're not, I mean, unless they're rolling to their right and then punting all the way to the left side of the field, I don't think they're doing it that way, though. It's like, you still can identify what's going on. There can't be that tricky, but what, what do I know? I'm not the guy that's the I would think maybe a, in case of a fake, like, you, you would never expect Master Mono to, because he's right-footed, naturally. Yeah. So if you're going to try to block the kick, you're going to come to his right because he's going to roll to his right. He might roll right into you. The USC blocked the Colorado kids. Well, that was a terrible punt by the Colorado kid. But he put, he punted it off the kid's face mask. But he rolled to his right and punted right into him. I guess if you can roll to your left, it varies how they can rush you. And maybe if you do want to fake it, you run him to the left, and maybe there's nobody over there. And if there's nobody over there, he takes off. Uh, and if there is somebody over there rolling to the left, because nobody's expecting him to roll that way, because they haven't seen it on film, if somebody does approach him, he can then punt it. You know what always Just, stuck in my craw, and he's not Australian, but, man, Graham Gano had speed. If Graham Gano yes. was around, I mean, he's around now. He's still kicking field goals. Shout out to Graham. But, like, if he was a punter right now in college, he would be Ray Guy uh, 
reincarnate because he had he had legit wheels, not like wheels for a punter. Like he had legit wheels, and teams are much more open to like rolling their punters out in this day and age. Yeah, he would have been uh, he would have been really good at. Yeah, he was like a uh, I think legit like a four six guy. Yeah, was, I don't I know if he ran at the combine. I assume kickers don't run at the combine, but uh, he was a like he was a. Uh, I think he was on his like high school like state winning or state placing like a relay team. Like he had that kind of speed. Yeah, he was a he was. They actually tried to fake punt with him or fake field goal against Florida uh, Tebow's year in Doak, and it, it did not work out well. It was uh, snuffed out. It was not a, the right time to call it. It was pretty predictable, and he got tackled. But he yes, he is a he was a very good athlete. You know who else was a great athlete uh, was Dustin Hopkins. Is mm. Dustin Hopkins mm. um, like he could apparently do like windmill dunks and reverse dunks, oh, just okay. like a freak of an athlete. Uh, and hey man, he's been good for the Browns. I think he's a good golfer too, D Hop. Yeah, and so's Gano. I'm sure, man. Yeah. These guys, it's just not fair. It's, it's just not, not fair. Seriously, if Gano played in the '60s, he probably would have been an all-state halfback <laughs> or an all-American halfback. Yeah. And now he's relegated to kicking, but he's an awesome kicker. He's just a really good athlete. And Hopkins, I'm telling you, the way the ball comes off that kid's leg is—I I said it—I said it back then, and people kind of. Uh, uh, you know, thought I was besmirching the good name, well, at least the name of Sebastian Janikowski. Mm. But uh, man, I, I, he he had a bigger leg, I think, than Jano did. Mm. He just it, he had an explosive right leg. He was just he was uh, like Logan Tyler. It sounded different when he hit it. Right, it just twitchy, just twitchy, man. All built. That's what I'm saying. He, he had like a 38 or 40 inch vertical, just all bound with all these nerves and muscles and everything else, man. Good for him. And he's having a great career. He's had a really good career. Uh, by the way, Graham Gano told the Charlotte Observer in 2015 that he believes he could still run a 40 dash in the four or five range. Yeah. So okay. I think he's. I think he was a native. I think he was born in Scotland. Yeah. Old Graham Gano. I yeah. think that was the story there. Yeah. Cool. Best story about him is when uh, Jeff Cameron called him onions. Uh, the, he got that nickname, and I, I know we've had a long show, so we can end on this. A little By the bit. way, our guy John, who we autographed his hat at, um, what was it, uh, Hooch? Yeah. Said that, I don't know why you guys keep complaining about long shows. The longer, the better, and three people hit the thumbs up button to his comment. Oh, okay, so there's at least four people that love this stuff. That's Well, that's good to know. But um, So, good to know, it was, the, it was an NC State game, close game, imagine that, in Carter-Finley on a Thursday night. Um, 07 or 09? I, I, 08. Sorry, 08. So they lost in 10 when Ty Jones made Ponder fumble. So the 08 game was very close. I think Florida State has a six-point lead, and they have the ball at like the NC State 35-yard line, 36-yard line, late in the fourth quarter. And, and Bobby Bounds, it's like fourth and long, and Bounds deciding whether he's going to punt or go for it or whatever. And Gano tells, I can't, I can't believe, I can't remember who the special teams coach back then was, but he told the special teams coach, hey, I think I can make this. And he goes, well, go tell the coach then. And so Gano ran over to Bounds like, hey, coach, I can make this. And Bounds like, all right, go make it. And he went out there and drilled like a 53 or 54-yard field goal to essentially ice the game. And it was really risky because if he misses it, NC State, who's only down by a score, gets the ball like at the 35 or 40 yard line. So uh, that's and he made a bunch of clutch kicks that year. But I think that was his biggest. Mm. Try to find it for you, but I was I was unable to find it. I was trying to do both, trying to find out the special teams. Who was the special teams coordinator back when Bobby was winding things down? Uh, it I wasn't Mickey. It. No, it was not. Um, well, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look up the the game I'm talking about. You you get us out of here. Oh, I had us I had us at that point there, um, but now I got to go back and probably, yeah, can't pull up that quickly. Anyhow, uh, subtle headlines coming up one to three o'clock. We'll be at practice, so we'll have observations for you on tomorrow's show, uh, which will be fun. We'll also have Mike Barber from the Richmond Times Dispatch talking about the Hokies. Get us ready. Get us involved into game prep mode as Florida State takes on Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech 1-0 in the ACC. Yeah, so right. you never know who you might bump into later down the road. they got a big quarterback that's um, maybe changing the dynamic for them. So we'll see how it all goes. We'll be out so of practice. It was, I was right. It was a minute 53 to go. They were at the NC State 36-yard line, and they were up 23-17. to And he kicked a 53-yard field goal to make it 26-17 and beat Russell Wilson and the Wolfpack. Suck it, Wilson. Yep. All right. 
how come what's man i can't i gotta i gotta just spend like one day getting reacquainted with noel fan because there's times where i can go right where i gotta go and i can find it and it's amazing and there's other times where i just get lost in all their incredible statistics it's just it's amazing what it's awesome. It's awesome. And uh, Preston Parker and Taiwan Easterling both both had five catches in that game. Oh, incredible. Little, little names from uh, memory lane. Mm. And it, it would be derelict if we didn't go back and find out because we brought it up. It was the late Jody Allen was the ends and special teams coordinator, much like uh, what John Papuchas does, which is funny because I never thought that was uh, something that was double dipped into. But, yeah, Jody Allen was the special teams coach back then. So Graham's like, okay, I got there you this. Go. And Graham, Graham got it as Corey – Alluded to earlier. Onions. So. And still kicking. Uh, golly, 15 years later, he's yeah, still kicking. God, incredible. we're getting old. All right, let's go to practice, Corey. Let's do it. He's Corey. I'm Aslan. Jeff Cameron Show, 1 to 3 o'clock. Tune into that. We'll be back with another program for you tomorrow. Practice observations and the like. It's been Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Thanks for listening, everybody.